Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. In this episode, I speak to Neil Chapman of Exabel. Exabel is a company that delivers a platform for investment teams to get actionable insights from alternative data without having to onboard a whole data science or quant team into the firm, with all the complications and costs that would imply. In our conversation, we talk about how Neil arrived at Exabel after a career of building companies and how the platform could be a savior for those companies trying to achieve the hard task of combining data sets. I started by asking Neil about his previous career. Sure. And first, uh, let me say thanks for inviting uh, in me on here, uh, Mark. It's great to, to be talking with you today. Um, so yes, my background way back uh, is in financial services. Uh, I was uh, based in London and uh, worked for Credit Suisse and a few other uh, of the big uh, kind of asset managers. Um, over the years, I then uh, moved into technology uh, and uh, specifically technology startup and, and then scale ups. Um, and I became what I refer to these days as a builder. Um, I love building businesses uh, and specifically building businesses around market opportunities where there are real inefficiencies to be removed and, and solved for. Uh, and I think uh, when I look at the XML business as it stands today, it really is a coming together of those two backgrounds. Uh, my original background and, and, and fascination with financial markets and then the power and potential in technology to take out inefficiencies um, and, uh, and, and, and bring value uh, to a wider and wider audience um, through the kind of modern tools and, and, and technology capabilities that we, we're able to, to, to leverage today. Fantastic. What kind of tech startups were you involved in? Um, so, so, so previously, it started with uh, with with financial fintech trading, risk management uh, startups, and scale ups. We did a couple of um, uh, management buyouts and, and and built a couple of businesses. And then, uh, most recently, prior to Exabel, uh, I built uh, a company in the identity technology space. Uh, so this interestingly had some uh, some tangential uh, connections and resonances uh, around alternative data. Uh, of course, one of the key uh, concepts around alternative data is removing all identifiable uh, uh, information from the data sets, anonymizing them so that they can be then um, used safely and effectively in the context of, uh, of GDPR and all these other uh, regulator environments. Uh, but yeah, the previous bills, business uh, that I spent uh, the last 10 years involved with was centered around that uh, identity management uh, and, and, and privacy space. Interesting. Very, uh, very hot right now. Um, and so and so then um, then you joined Exabel. What, so um, what was the what was the company you joined and, and what attracted you? So. When I, uh, when I joined Exabel as uh, CEO about a year and a half ago, uh, you know, what I joined was a company that had spent three years uh, cracking some really tough problems. Um, uh, centrally, it was all about how we could put sophisticated, uh, high-value technology tools into the hands of um, less technical users. 
In other words, to, to enable some of the new uh, and powerful techniques for analysis, encompassing machine learning and uh, AI where appropriate, uh, but in other cases, using more traditional uh, analysis techniques to, to, to tease the insight and the information out of uh, the raw data, um, but to allow this to be, uh, to, to be affected by those less technical um, investment team users, so portfolio managers and research analysts, rather than quants and data scientists. Okay, um, and so essentially, what you offer um, is can you uh, can you go into a little bit more detail about exactly what what uh, Exabel will do? Sure. So so Exabel is is built around some very simple but powerful premises. The first one is that within this huge uh, and, and growing landscape of alternative data, what we call alternative data, um, there is buried within that the answers to uh, a huge variety of different questions that we might posit. And you know the answers to those questions um, boil down to an information advantage um, for, for specific uh, areas that we might be interested in. So that's, let's call it premise number one. There is information advantage to be found in alternative data. The second premise is then, of course, that information advantage in itself, the answers to the right questions, indeed translate to investment performance. Um, and again, I think we can see clearly that uh, that, that holds true and has been proved um, um, in, in, in many cases. Uh, and, and, and much of this has been much talked about in, in, in the press over the last few years. Um, you know, we, we've all heard the anecdotal stories of astonishing outperformance uh, delivered by some of the uh, more or less quantitatively uh, driven funds. Um, but of course, if we believe that those two premises are true, if we believe that, first of all, alternative data holds information advantage, and secondly, that information advantage translates to investment returns, then every investment team, large or small, and regardless of the style, should be a consumer of alternative data. Um, everybody should be out there buying and using um, the right data to answer the questions that are meaningful um, for, 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 for he or she. In, in, in the marketplace. And what we found was that that's not the case. In fact, we found that surprisingly few uh, investors outside the very top of the pyramid, the, uh, the, the really well-known, highly sophisticated uh, funds and, and asset managers were actually buyers of alternative data. And we asked ourselves the question, you know, wh wh why is this? What's stopping um, the, the wider marketplace from getting to the value. And we really found it was, it was two key things. The first was that it was hard and getting harder to work out which data actually held the answer to the questions that I care about. In, in, this, in this sort of world where the number of data sets on offer is exploding, they come from a variety of different sources. There are often many different flavors of, 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 of data that, that, that potentially could answer the same questions. The task of evaluating which is the right data and which is the valuable data and how potent is that data uh, was a real problem. And then secondly, 
let's presume that I am able to, to, to evaluate and decide which data is right for me. The second step is then how do I extract the insights from the data in a way that I can then build into my investment strategy, whatever that might be. And, and, and what we found is, is, is there, um, what was needed were significant in-house teams of quants, data scientists, mathematicians, engineers, to first ingest these large, often very unstructured data sets and transform uh, and, and wrangle them in order to extract the relevant insights and then build those insights in turn into, a, into an investment process. And, and you know, what, what we saw was that without these two barriers being removed, um, the, the, the likelihood of the, the alternative data uh, expanding out into the, the, the big mid-market of, of, of mid-sized uh, hedge funds, asset managers, large and small, um, it, it was really going to be significantly constrained. And, and Exabel was formed around removing these two problems. So first of all, making it much, much easier to evaluate and establish whether a given data set has the information I care about uh, and, and, and is going to be valuable for me. And then following that evaluation uh, to enable me to actually put the data to work um, in an ongoing um, uh, meaningful part of my, uh, my investment process. Okay. Okay. So, um, to put this in kind of a, a bit of a, a bit of a market context, like, uh, as I see it, the alternative data space, I mean, in theory, it's been going on for a very long time. You've got, you know, you've got these incredibly high tech sophisticated hedge funds who have been for the last 30 years developing these techniques to ingest huge quantities of data, crunch it, run it against the markets and historical markets and then extract some kind of meaning value um, from it in, in, in ways that they've developed. That what has now happened is that that over, over the years and over time and particularly recently, um, that uh, the desire to do that has, has spread across the market to other hedge funds and then, as you say, to, other, to, to asset managers. And um, so now there are increasing, there's an increasing need amongst essentially numbers people, you know, finance people um, who work in the traditional asset management space to be doing this kind of thing themselves. They need to be, um, there's access to alternative data and, and various streams of it, and they need to be bringing it in and, and crunching it and, and uh, being data scientists with it. And their choice at that point um, is they, I mean, the, the, the obvious well, the first thought might be, right, we need to get a whole load of data scientists to come on board and, and, and crunch all this stuff ourselves and, and, and bring that capability inside. But it strikes me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it strikes me that what you guys offer is a kind of a, like, a, like a, a, an easier, it's, a step, it's, a, it's a, an entry step. You can outsource, they can outsource it to you in a, to an extent. You'll do the data crunching for them um, and so it's a, it's a, it's the step rather than, you know, adopting, uh, getting all of the data capability in, in house, they can instead get, um, a product from you. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so, so I think the, the challenge you point to is, is, is absolutely correct. And, and there have been various estimates here, but I know one of the big, uh, advisories, uh, did, uh, did, did, did a, a report a, a couple of years back where they suggested that, the upfront investment required to build a meaningful data science function um, is, 
going to need about a $3 million a year investment. It'll take about three years to come to any valuable outcomes. And then it has about a 30% chance of success. So wow. the sort of three, 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 um, three million dollars a year over three years, and you've got about a, a one in three chance of, of getting it right. And of course, that represents, um, you know, as an upfront investment, um, you know, dollars wise of, uh, you know, let's say, you know, close to ten million dollars, and um, time wise, uh, the need to wait for, for for three years, let alone the risk of failure. Um, you know that, yeah. that that's a difficult upfront investment for for, for most mid-sized uh, firms, funds, investors to 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 consider. So, to that uh, end, we we absolutely take out the need for all of that upfront uh, and and long lead time, uh, and instead, we can deliver uh, a whole bunch of this insight prepackaged, and then allow our less technical, um, less data science focused users to pose the questions they want to ask in their own language. So it's about, it's about allowing uh, a domain expert who cares about uh, a particular uh, stock universe to, to, to pose and formulate a question in, in their language, the language of finance, which we then translate, if you like, into the underlying uh, data science question, run an automated pipeline to go off and solve uh, using various different modeling and, uh, and, and data science analytical techniques, and then play the answer uh, back to our user once again in the language that they understand, the language of finance, not uh, the language that, that, that requires a data, science, a data scientist or a quant uh, to be sitting next to them for the interpretation. Fantastic. Okay. And so what... Sorry, go on. No, no, I, I was just going to make the, the other point, which is that you, you mentioned uh, Rentec uh, earlier. Um, of course, you know, the, they are a classical example of, um, of, of, a, of a systematic quant uh, trading operation. So to your point, they're ingesting uh, an increasingly large variety of different signals. They are bringing all those signals together into a sort of complex, multi-threaded, multi-dimensional trading model. Um, and they are trading typically uh, very, very high volumes uh, across very large universes. And they need to be 51% or better uh, of the time correct in order to, 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 to win in the, in the aggregate. It is a large numbers game. What, of course, we see, though, is that alternative data is not only relevant and valuable for that sort of use case. Um, Increasingly, we see the value in alternative data to answer much more specific, concentrated um, questions that might have uh, value and, and importance for you know, a, a, a very different sort of investor, a fundamental investor, who rather than um, uh, looking at the aggregate performance um, of uh, 50 stocks in one direction over 50 in a different direction amongst a, a wide population cares much more about five different key triangulations on next quarter's earnings or the next year's prospects for a particular stock uh, or, 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 or ticker uh, or perhaps a ticker and its immediate competitors. And so there are very, there are very many different questions which can be posed and uh, the, the uses to which the answers to those questions get, get, get put are, are, are again varied. Um, and it's very important to be able to uh, 
to, to, to ask and answer the right questions for the right problems. The description I've heard is, and I think it's, as you say, much more for this kind of um, fundamental view or, or focusing on a specific company, is that um, investors can use alternative data to see what the board is seeing. You know, when, when you're looking at the traditional data, then you're only seeing what the board wants you to see. But if you're actually being able to, to take that alternative data, then you can actually see the underlying, see under the surface, see all the, all the, all the nasty secrets, which they're maybe trying to keep from you. So it can be a, so, so alternative data can be brought into, um, into, into this kind of more specific ticker security focus um, investing as well. But so in terms of, in terms of what you do, um, what would you, how would you be able to help someone who was trying to do that? So I think um, one of the, uh, what we've talked about up until now has been the way in which we can help, uh, you know, a buy side um, consumer of alternative data, put that to work um, and and get value from it. Um, But the way in which we come to market um, in many cases is, is from the supply side of the alternative data market. So we partner with lots of alternative data vendors in order to help them to deliver not just a raw data set, which would only be consumable by a very sophisticated buyer, but to deliver their data products together with Exabel's technology in a combined insights platform. And that then creates a, 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 a product, uh, an offering that is very much more relevant and consumable um, for those, um, uh, those, those, let's say, outside that, that very, very sort of sophisticated top of the pyramid. Um, and that might start with um, a, a, an investment team saying, you know, we're interested in, in one particular type of data. Let's say we've heard about transactions data, credit or debit card transactions data, uh, and we'd like to start looking at the insights that that data can, can, can offer us. Um, you know, perhaps our, our focus is in the US or in Europe or in, uh, you know, combination. Um, but the, 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 the go-to-market that we enable um, initially might have been driven from the vendor of such data bringing their data together with the Excel technology in a way that's then more easily consumable. So that might be the start of the journey. Uh, but I think as one of your previous guests, uh, Saeed, uh, discussed earlier, um, it, 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 it's often the, the multiple perspectives, the multiple dimensions um, that really add incremental value. Um, So while you might start with a signal generated from one source, um, you might want to then uh, sort of get further confirmation of the story that that data is telling by adding a second or a third independent data source and looking at the extent to which those data sets are are, are telling the same story um, or or indeed the extent to which they're disagreeing and, 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 and the insight that that gives you. And again, these can be complicated problems. I mean, from a data science perspective, one thing is taking a given data set and preparing it for uh, you know, a set of analysis and, and then running uh, analysis and, and then deriving uh, information and insights from it. Um, but that, that, that becomes incrementally and uh, significantly more complex when I want to take a second or a third or a fourth data set um, which may be very, very differently uh, kind of uh, dimensioned and, uh, and, 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 and profiled to find the right ways to bring um, the, the sort of triangulation 
of all of these different perspectives into a given problem um, and do that in a, in a rigorous, repeatable um, and, uh, and dependable way uh, can, be, can, can, can be complex. And, and again, the Expel platform is, is designed uh, to reduce these problems uh, to, very, to very much simpler uh, user experiences, uh, not getting caught up in the, uh, the sort of deep mathematics behind it. Okay, so you provide a platform for clients, um, and that platform um, has uh, kind of direct access to the data of the uh, data providers that you, the alternative data providers that you partner with. Can a client use your platform for uh, kind of streams of alternative data which um, you aren't partnered with? How how is that? How is, is or is it kind of Directly, you're buying your platform and your your partners. Sure, no, no. We 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 actually think about three categories of data on the XML platform. Um, so the first category is what we call the base or scaffolding uh, data, and you know this is something which which shouldn't be overlooked. Um, it, in order to get value from an alternative data set. You need to take the raw data and then you need to combine it with typically um, a, a pretty complex set of sort of underlying scaffolding in order to then build models which you can, on the one hand, backtest and get, get, get confidence around. Uh, and then, of course, which are going to meaningfully connect back to the, 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 the financial questions you actually want to, to get the answer of. Um, you know, so, so, so to give an example, um, you, you need to have in your scaffolding data, um, enormous quantities of uh, traditional financial data, pricing, market estimates, uh, comparable sales numbers. You know, there's there's a, a huge number of fundamental KPIs that one might want to be correlating with the particular alternative, alternative data set that I'm I'm working with, and um, you know that combined with all of the sort of entity relationships and graphs that we build. Um, becomes this first set of scaffolding data. That comes together uh, as part of the XML platform subscription. The second category of data are premium alternative data sets. These are uh, you know, the, the ones that you hear of from a from, from large uh, variety of, 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 of alternative data vendors. Um, and, and our customers need to have license uh, one way or another to, to, to use those data. Um, so they might um, uh, they, they might find those uh, in various different ways, um, but they need to, to to have license in order to then consume uh, those data through the XML platform. Um, would that be that would be a separate relationship that they have with the data vendor? Right, um, and, and 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 then the third is what we call a bring your own data principle. Um, so any data that I have in-house, whether that is proprietary data that I've collected and, and, and built myself or data that I've licensed in various ways from other third parties, um, I can very easily bring up into my um, ring-fenced personal uh, space on the Expo platform and then you know, bring that data in to, to bear uh, on, on problems as well. So we find that, that across those sort of three categories, we cover all the bases. Um, now, I think to your question, uh, that that means that if I have a, a particular data set that I'm interested in um, in using on the platform and it doesn't happen to be an existing partner of Exabel, then of course um, there are, there are lots of ways that we can uh, we can we, we can ingest that and uh, and get it working for you in the platform. 
So is it quite consultative, the relationship with your clients in terms of they want, I mean, they will bring their own data, which they think contains some kind of value. Um, is it, are they, is it a very easy to use tool? And so they'll be able to, they'll be expected to be able to to find the value themselves or, or will they get a, you know, a, a considerable handhold from from someone in Exabel as well to, to make sure it all works? That's a great question. You know, and, and I think the answer to that um, changes and will continue to change over time. So it is our ambition to build a truly scalable self-service um, product in the long term, where every user, uh, regardless of their level of sophistication, should be able to find the support within the platform to enable them to, to achieve the goals that they have. Um, you know, that's a, that's a long-term ambition. In the short term, uh, and uh, you know, uh, relatively speaking, uh, in the early years of of, of, of the Exabel uh, story, of course, we we invest a lot to work with our our customers and our partners to make them successful. Um, and so, what I'd like to think is that all of those learnings we then are able to build into um, those in-app uh, experiences, whether that's making the, the, the user experience better and more intuitive, um, or indeed building sort of in-app tutorials and uh, walkthrough experiences um, that, that, that I can use as, a, as, as, a, as an Exabel customer um, to, to, to search myself and uh, achieve the results that I'm interested in, 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 in achieving. Just quickly on this, does a if a client introduces their own data, does that then enter the Exabel you know library, or can they can it be ring fenced in a way that it remains only for the client? So the principle is always that that every client's data is entirely and completely ring fenced uh, for, for for their instance. Um, so there's absolutely no sharing between clients uh, within a client. Uh, uh, between individual users um, within a client or between teams in a, in, in a larger client, then there are sharing potential and, and possibilities. Um, equally, it's also possible to share uh, sort of uh, output uh, in, in, in the form of charts or, or analyses, which might be useful for uh, speaking to investors or, uh, or, or other external parties in the form of sort of uh, easy... Uh, uh, sort of charts and PDFs and these kinds of things, um, but no, the the data is very very tightly ring fenced uh, on a client by client basis, and we uh, we work uh, extremely hard to make sure that those walls are are very very uh, uh, clear, clearly defined, uh, and 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 never blurred. Okay, fantastic. And in terms of the clients, how is your your kind of how is your client profile evolving, and what do you see as the most in need, where do you see as as being the people who um, need it most and are, and, are, and are likely to need it in the near future? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, again, um, harking back to uh, another one of your 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 past guests, I, th I think uh, Gregory mentioned that, that he sees data as being you know like an arms race. Um, it's nice you know, to the, talk to a fan, it's, Neil. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 always one step further. Um, you know what? What was yesterday's uh, sort of cutting edge uh, new perspective uh, rather quickly becomes hygiene uh, and something I have to have if if I'm interested in in, in investing in in, in a given uh, kind of universe. Um, once that data becomes uh, more widely available, 
Um, so I think it's a it's a rapidly changing uh, environment where um, I think it would be impossible to to, to point to, to to one or other area um, as being the, uh, the 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 sort of alpha and omega. Um, but uh, but we see you know it's all about having the right data for the right problem. Is that but is there there's no sector where you think. Um... It's coming, you know, and because I, oh, it strikes me just just quickly, it strikes yeah. me that in alternative data, one of the one of the sensations which will drive the rise of it is fear, <laughs> and the fear is that your competitors are using it or about to be using it, or you're about to get outcompeted on this, and you need to be ready. Um, and so I, I'm just wondering if you're seeing an area where this is this is happening and it's coming and so um you know sure, people, sure. people might so, so i think there's a, couple, there's a couple of things i'd point to there i mean first uh, i would say the use of alternative data has been um has been earlier adopted in the states and we've seen you know more adoption earlier uh, there i think this year is the year where we've hit uh, a, a real inflection point um both in terms of the appetite for consuming the insights from alternative data here in europe um, and, and, and elsewhere, uh, you know, across the, the global markets, um, but also in the coverage of those data sets. I think many of the early data sets were very focused uh, on North America. Now we're seeing, um, you know, uh, um, many more high quality data sets which have far uh, wider uh, applicability. So I think um, a shift geographically, um, you know, and I think we could definitely say um, Europe is taking off in a way this year that, uh, that, that that it wasn't a couple of years back. Um, and I think then the other side would be if we look at the, the quant sort of systematic traders, um, they have a much more mature um, uh, sort of uh, tendency to be, to, to be getting value already from alternative data. Um, so I think what's happening now is that there's a much better appreciation that this data is not just for high frequency systematic styles of trading, um, that there are very much wider questions and, and questions that could be relevant over far longer horizons. You know, for example, uh, if I'm a, a long only relatively concentrated in, in, in investor in, in, in a small number of stocks with, with typically a pretty long conviction based holding period, on the one hand, I think there are now very many more alternative data sets which are actually designed to tap into things that I care about. You know, for example, um, the sort of workforce sentiment uh, signals, which are which are now uh, available and able to be to to to, to, to be um, um, analysed, um, are dem demonstrably able to show um, relevance over you know a sort of six twelve month period. Um, not over the sort of hours or minutes or sort of day horizons of, of some of the early uh, high frequency signals. Um, and then on the other side, I think there's, there's more of an understanding that even if I am a, I'm a conviction-based investor um, who typically, uh, again, has relatively long holding periods, what becomes critical is, is of course, um, for me to understand the inflection points, the points at which um, my conviction no longer holds true and where I need to change my position. Um, these are the, the absolutely critical uh, inflections to, to be on top of. And I think many of the, the, the newer 
um, data sets combined with more sophisticated analytical techniques enable us to really answer those questions in a, in a meaningful way. And that becomes then, uh, you know, as a feedback, much, much more relevant and, and, uh, and recognizably valuable uh, for a, a fundamental or discretionary uh, investor. So it's coming from, um, as you'd expect, it's coming from the quantitative type um, investor, but it's increasingly spreading into that that kind of um, that that discretionary fundamental investor who is is wondering, you know, they really believe in this company, but they're wondering um, when to sell, you know, or, or where or the right moment to buy based well, on all the on right various moments, flows. Right, the right moment to get into a position or out of a position. Um, yeah. You know, even okay. even if I'm only trading, um, you know, once a year. Um, the, the timing is obviously the, the critical point. Um, and, you know, understanding the data story, the data perspective um, is, is one input to that decision. And I think that's really important to, uh, to, to, to bring home here. Uh, you know, the role of data, the role of technology is not to replace the, 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 the seasoned domain expert investor. You know, we see a triangle of value where the data is the fuel the technology is the engine to extract the information, the insight from the underlying fuel. But then the third part of that triangle is the driver, is the domain expert investor who's able to formulate the right question and the right uh, conviction against which to, to run a trading strategy that relies or is informed by um, these, uh, these, these new perspectives um, and, uh, and, and insights. Fantastic. Neil, I see you as the great emancipator, bringing these these high-tech data techniques to the masses and that you're democratizing data for everyone. So I think you'll, you'll get a, I'm sure you'll get a statue somewhere for this. Look, it's, it's, it's part of our ambition. I mean, you know, we're, we're a company with, uh, you know, while I'm, uh, as you can probably hear, a, a, a Brit, um, I've spent the last 20 years in, in Scandinavia. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we bring perhaps a, a, a Scandinavian perspective. Um, we also see um, that this is about bringing something that has historically only been available to a very, very, very small uh, group uh, of investors at the very top of the the, the pyramid um, down uh, and, and, and much, much more broadly accessible uh, to the to, to the market generally. And we think that that's part of a of a general push towards market efficiency. And efficient markets are are are, are good markets for everybody concerned. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much indeed for, for speaking me, to me today. I think this sounds like a, like a really positive project and a really positive um, influence that it'll have on the, on the alternative data market. So, um, yeah, I'll be watching how you progress with interest. Great. Pleasure to talk to you too. Thanks a lot, Mark.